Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with our awesome sponsors, Najahi Events and Golf Business and also Emirates Woman Magazine. So I tell you what, guys, you want to learn how to be better at your business, entrepreneurship, you want to know how to find inspiration, motivation and move forward, go check out the Najahi Tribe. And guys, you know Golf Business, what a great newspaper and magazine publication they have. And Emirates Woman, ladies you're going to get some content that's specifically for you. And the guy with me this afternoon is going to be in your magazine for you. So check it out. Right, before we get started and hear about this awesome man, who I, I saw a video of this guy years ago, and I'm like, that guy, that guy. Well, that guy is this guy. Cue the music. Good afternoon, I have got the fantastic man, Man Mountain as well, with the kindest heart in the world, Mark Mira with us on the Spencer Lodge podcast today. First of all, thank you so much for coming to join us today, sir. Spencer, it is great to be a guest on your show. I'm excited about talking to you and inspiring the world. Fantastic, it's really good. You're over in Florida at the moment, is that base camp for you? I am, I'm in Orlando right now. Okay, great stuff. Now, just tell me a little bit about yourself so that our audience over, over, over here understands more. I, like, I know because I've seen your content and I, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna attach that, that video, that one video to this podcast as well so people can see that and understand where I get my emotions from for you. But for the benefit of everybody else, please just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, you know, I was a, a, um, a WWE wrestler. I wrestled uh, with WCW and WWE a total of uh, 14 years on and off. And um, after wrestling, I was really trying to find myself. You know, it's like, what, what can I do next? I made some really bad choices, got heavily involved in drugs, and uh, really went down a, a downward slope. And uh, I finally decided to be a personal trainer, you know, helping other people. And I really found joy in that. And one school called me and said, can you come and speak to our football team? I went and spoke to it. And I got to tell you, Spencer, it just snowballed. One school started calling after another. And I just, I just started sharing from my heart, you know, the, 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 the valleys and, and, and mountaintop experiences that I've been through in my life. But, you know, being very honest and open with, with students. And that's what they want. They want, they want someone to come in there, not, not BS them, but really share from their heart about life, you know. And that's what I did and was and it just it just snowballed and then we uh, we, we we filmed a, a some videos that went viral and next thing I know I'm traveling all over the world including going to Russia and Guatemala and and I'm really looking forward to uh, you know continuing that as soon as this pandemic uh, kind of ceases it's been been really tough uh, in March you know we were doing about 230 to 250 events a year and March 12th was our last event. And from then on, it just, everything shut, the world shut down. And um, so I'm doing a lot of virtual stuff, really trying to help a lot of students, answering a lot of mail from students and parents that uh, we're really trying to get kids into, whether it's counseling virtually or um, some type of help because of what kids are going through right now, the isolation, the loneliness, the depression and self-harm, and then worst case, those suicidal thoughts. Now, when I was a kid, my, my parents got divorced when I was eight years old. And I think that's a similar time to when your parents got divorced. Exactly. I was also eight years old. What a devastating time in your life. Yeah, it's a kind of, my dad was my hero. You know, he was this, he was, he was this, this man, my dad, you know, he was this, this 
this just everything I wanted to be when I was a six or a seven year old kid. My dad was, he taught me everything. He could do stuff with his hands that I couldn't even imagine doing, you know, fixing stuff, making stuff, creating stuff. And then my parents divorced and he, and, and he left and he moved out and then he went to live in another country and work. And it was, it was really tough for me as a kid. Um, look, many people have got worse stories, but does, does what happens to you when your parents got divorced when you were young, do you think it helps you identify with the youngsters that you talk to now in more ways than maybe you would have done? Without a doubt, Spencer. You know, um, when my dad left, um, it was really strange because I was coming home from school and I noticed his car was in the driveway, which was unusual because he didn't usually come home until dinner time. And uh, I walked in and my mom was in the living room crying. And I remember just saying, what's wrong? And she said, daddy's leaving. And you know, you're a kid, you're, you know, it's like eight years old. And I ran to his bedroom and my dad had his back to the, to the door because he was putting clothes in his suitcase. And I stood in the doorway and I just said, daddy, where are you going? And he was startled. He turned around and he goes, Mark, I want you to know I love you so much. I said, but where are you going? And Spencer, he just came around and said it. He just said, daddy's leaving. And you know, it's just a kid you really don't understand. And I just remember running over to his suitcase and grabbing the handles and I fell to my knees and I started begging my father not to leave. I said, daddy, please don't go. You're my best friend. And he said something I never forgot, Spencer. He said, Mark, don't cry. Everything's gonna be okay. And he pulled that suitcase out of my hand. He walked out the door and I was screaming, daddy, please don't go. And I'll never forget that because now dealing with so many students that, I mean, so many parents are divorced you know, now. Many kids come from a, from a broken family and I can so relate to the pain that many of them go to and, and, and young girls that have father issues or boys that lost their mom or dad or whatever it is, I can really understand. I really feel like they feel like I get it, you know, and there's just a lot of emotion involved in my presentations. How, how did you find out that you had this ability to connect with the kids? Did you, did you was it by luck or by judgment? You know, you know, honestly, Spencer, it was, it was really uh, I, by luck in, in a sense, when I say luck, I, I get to call it fate. <laughs> but, you know, I, I remember leaving schools and then all of a sudden getting a lot of like mail through social media, you know, direct messages and stuff on how you change my life. And this kid starts saying, you saved my life. I was like, what? And I was really amazed at that, but so blessed, you know, and, and, it, and it just made me realize this is my calling. And I left my job as a personal trainer and I started traveling and, and it's just been, it's been just incredible. The most incredible 13 years of my life. I mean, in wrestling, we got to go out there and entertain people, but now we get to change people's lives. You, you take someone like, I don't know, like Nick Vujicic and he talks and he, he gives you that, um, that look of, I've got no arms and no legs. What, what's your problem again? What was your challenge? <laughs> he doesn't say it, but he gives you that look as if to say, you get it? Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, there's, there's a lady I interviewed the other day called Katie Piper, and Katie had um, uh, acid poured all over her face by her boyfriend and down her throat when she was younger. And she's had 300 operations to rebuild her face over the course of the last uh, 12 years. And when you see what she's been through, a lot of the time I think I don't have problems. If I see what she's been through, I don't have problems. And I spoke to her and I said, Katie, you know, do a lot of people have that feeling? 
She said, Spence, everyone's problems are relative. Everyone's issues are relative and you should never underestimate the importance of everyone's problems and everyone's issues because they're very real in those people's minds. When I, when I think about that, she's absolutely right. She's bang on the money, you know, she's, she, because we should take everybody with a huge amount of empathy and understanding. And when I look at your journey in your career, it's, it's kind of unorthodox, isn't it, to where you've got. It's kind of unorthodox because there's a guy that's a kid. You, know, you took up boxing, I remember, as well as I've read about that. Okay, then you got into wrestling. And I remember when, you know, when I was a kid, I'm 50 years old. When I was a kid, wrestling in the UK was, was not like it is on TV today or as I've been over the last 20 years. It was, it was, you know what it was? It was Saturday afternoon watching, laying on my dad's chest on the sofa, okay? And we had Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks and a couple of these other English, English wrestlers. And then... Um, and it, it, you know, it was all, it was fun. I think it was so real back then. We were, I used to get so angry. I'd be throwing the cushions at the TV and stuff and uh, I was getting into my mode. But your, your, your journey is so unorthodox to get where you've gone. So to me, that means that there's, there's some things along the way that you've kind of like hurdles you've faced or encounters that you've had that have taken you, you know, from wrestling to talking to kids to, to, to wrestle, come on, that's that's rough, tough Popeye spinach jars down your throat, man stuff, isn't it? You know. Well, you know, Spencer, I think through our struggles, we actually find our strength, and through the tragedies of my life, really led to the person that I am today. And I, I wouldn't have changed a thing. You know, that all the different paths I took in life, I'm ended up to right where I am today, and I, I, I couldn't be more blessed or happier in my life at this point. Don't be wrong, my, my life is certainly not perfect. We had one of the roughest uh, past years. I lost um, six of my very close friends and family members that died so young. And of course, uh, going through my own struggle, going through a divorce, being on the road for 13 years, you, you, you come home to almost like uh, we're strangers, you know, and we, we still have a great relationship, but it's just unfortunate that, that we ended up, you know, never thinking I'd ever get divorced again, you know, and, and, and losing that, the love of my life, and now starting over at, at 60 years old. But it's, it's like, I will never retire. <laughs> Spencer, I'm just gonna refire. And it's continuously about reinventing yourself and, you know, when you, you meet many people in life and they, they say things like, especially when you get older, they say, oh, man, I remember those were the days. And I wish I would have. I wish I could have. But I'm here to tell you, Spencer, these are the days. These are the days we learn from past mistakes. We grow in grace and knowledge. We can accomplish anything we set our minds to. There is so much knowledge out there. You want to write a book? You want to you uh, start a new business? It's just about taking a step of faith, going after dreams and goals. Don't be defined by other people's opinion because you'll meet a lot of people who are going to tell you why you can't do something. You're not smart enough. You're not qualified for that. Let me tell you, Spencer, the reason they tell you you can't do it is because they can't do it. Don't ever, anyone listening, go after dreams and goals. There are things that have, have, have been inside you for years that lie dormant. It's time to wake up. I don't care how old you are. Man, the, the, the greatest chapters of my life are about to be written. I don't care. You know, I don't want to hear those were the days. Man, the rest of your life is going to be the best of your life. Well, that's really important that you say that. You know, when I was young, I was bullied quite badly. And I, and I, 
And I think I put my success down a lot to my bullies, bizarrely, because I needed, I needed to prove them wrong. When I left school, I so badly needed to prove them wrong. And I reckon, you know, I left school at 16. I reckon that I've been trying to prove them wrong up until I was around about 40 years old, still every day thinking about them and the impact they had on me and wanting to show them, just show them. I didn't need to show anybody else. And these, and these people that, or these kids that bullied me all those years ago, probably have forgotten my name a long, long time ago, you know? They, they, they have no idea of the control they have over my mind, you know? Justin Zimmerman, Paul Fowler, I'll never forget you, you know? <laughs> their names are uh, imprinted in my brain. And when we see kids that, that are bullied, you know, my daughter was bullied at school. Uh, I've got two daughters, and one of them was bullied, and the other one was a real toughie. And the one that was bullied, part of me doesn't like bullying at all, but part of me thinks actually the bullying was almost like a, 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 a springboard onto my, my later successes in life. Working with kids, have you noticed that at all? Do you, do you, do you have thoughts around that? You know, especially you made a great point. And you know, um, the thing I see is that so many kids um, react to bullying differently. You know, some kids really get you know, tormented in a sense with their self-harming or they want to kill themselves or have taken their life, you know. But then there's the other side of kids that, that, that end up becoming very successful, just like you said. But there's something you said that's very important. Um, most of the people that have hurt us in life, they forgot about it. <laughs> they don't, they're not thinking about Spencer Lodge every day going, I remember I bullied him and made him feel terrible, you know. They may not, like you said, they may not even remember your name. But to you, it was detrimental. It was, it was so hurtful. And you live with that. But the problem is if people, I always talk about forgiveness in a lot of my speeches. And the reason why forgiveness is so important is because, like I said, most people forgot about what they did to you. But it's you who locks yourself in emotional prison. And you keep like being angry or, or bitter or resentful about what that person done. Like I said, they've just gone on with their life. They don't even they don't remember, you know? But it's you who has to just say, you know what? I forgive them and I've moved on and become a better person, maybe because of what they did to me or they pushed me harder in life not to give up on goals and dreams or something that would have been uh, hurtful. Um, I was bullied too as a kid because my mother couldn't afford clothes for us to go to school. We were really poor. And she bought our clothes like at garage sales, you know? And let me tell you, Spencer, going to a garage sale with my mother, where she tries to nickel and dime everything. If something's like for 10 cents, she says, I'll give you five cents for it. I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, let me get out of here, you know? But I would wear these clothes to school. And one day, a student in school noticed I was wearing clothes that were bought at their garage sale. And I cannot tell you, I just sat in that class I wanted to die. I was so embarrassed that everybody knew I had clothes or bought at garage sales. And, you know, and I look back on the list tonight, it's like, it really it bothers me or something, but I can understand how it could be so detrimental and hurtful to a student going through what I went through as a kid. So I understand it. But you know, it, it really made me appreciate everything I have today. Uh, I, I am so blessed and thankful. I mean, I wake up every day and I look up and I'm so thankful that I, I have my life, I, I've overdosed on drugs on many occasions where I should have been dead. And I think about, and something else you said too, is that, you know, we, we, we wake up and we, we think about, man, there's other people out there, you know, struggling to survive. Spencer, there's people on, on ventilators right now that may not wake up tomorrow morning, you know? 
And here you and I are just having this great conversation. We're healthy. Our families are healthy. We're so blessed in life. But so many times we think about things that we cannot change. We think about things that haven't even happened yet. And we take today and we spend worry all day long. And it just saps your energy for tomorrow, for tomorrow, your, saps your strength for tomorrow's energy that you need. You know, we're, we you can't, worry doesn't change anything except destroy your life. Yeah, really important. Tell, tell me what your mum was like. Oh, man. <laughs> my, I, couldn't, the, the, I think the hard thing was that my mom used to always pray for me to be this certain person. I was such a troubled kid and getting into trouble. And she, in, in, like in my video that I talked about, my mom always wanted to talk to me. And she just talked forever. And I just was so bored of hearing her talk. And, and especially when I started partying and getting high, I'd come home late, two, three, four in the morning. She'd wait up all night. She would not go to bed until she knew her son was still alive. And I'd walk in and she would just beg me to talk to her. Say, hi, how was your night? I just walked by her, slammed my door or something. Just was so rude to her, you know? But she lived for her kids. She worked two jobs. She worked in a factory. She would make knitting things to sell. She would, you know, shop at, 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 at stores that were discounted or, or, or garage sales or whatever. She did everything possible for her kids. She lived for her kids because that divorce destroyed my mom. I mean, she loved my dad so much. And when he left, her, her life kind of shut down for, for quite a while. So she lived for her kids. And um, I, I often think about that those prayers my mom had for me as they, they finally became a reality, I finally become the man my mother always prayed for. And I know somehow, some way, you know, she's up in heaven and she knows exactly how well I'm doing and, and how proud she is of, of what I'm doing because I don't want other parents to feel like my mom felt. And I cannot tell you how many letters I get from parents that said, my child apologized to me. She's being nice to her little brother or sister. And it's just a joy. And I just think of my mom reading those letters that I get every day. If she was, if she was sat with you right now having a cup of tea, what kind of things do you think she'd want to talk to you about at the moment? <laughs> well, she was such a positive person. My mom laughed a lot. And maybe that's where I get my, my sense of humor from, my joy. She was um, basically really a happy person. And she, she loved like um, uh, animals too. Like we had, we had, we always had dogs, you know? So she loved animals and um, she would, gosh, she would make, she would knit my dog like a little silly outfit to wear. And I would look at my dog and the dog would look at me and like, please get this off of me. <laughs> so my mom just, she just had a joy about her. And you know, Spencer, I'm, I'm a, I, I believe in God and I have a lot of faith. And I really believe with all my heart, there is going to be a reunion in heaven someday and a celebration that is never going to end. All the things that, that I have done since my mom has passed on and the joy of seeing her again and, and, and never slamming that door, just talking to her as much as I possibly can. And if you got a mom or dad out there that's still alive, don't miss that opportunity. Life is so precious. It passes so quickly. Spend time with your loved ones, your, especially your family, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad. Don't miss that opportunity, especially now during this pandemic. We have so much more time to reach out to people or spend time together. Don't miss that opportunity. Hmm. Beautiful. Talk to me about your faith. You, you know, I was... 
we both know Nick Vujicic, and I was with Nick a little while ago, and he he really didn't like God for a, a number of years because he felt, why would God do this to him? Why would he not give him arms and legs? And he went through a period, but it was almost, I think, eight years where it was just like, there, there can't be a God. If this is what I've got, then there can't be a God. And then he, he, he found his relationship with God again. And you've had some troubled times along the way. You talk about, you know, the drugs and the mishaps and the misdemeanors and stuff that went along the way. Did you, did you grow up having going to church every weekend did you did you grow up with that and then just as a teenager you rebelled against it or what what happened to make it disjointed and then how did you bring it back again well spencer what's really amazing and, that, and i don't know how many people really know this about me was that i was actually brought up jewish my 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 last name was shortened from merowitz to marrow and so we had jewish faith growing up but when my parents got divorced uh, we lived in such a bad neighborhood we were going to this this um this school and we were getting beat up quite a bit. So my mom decided that we would be baptized and make our first communion as a Catholic. So we would go to a Catholic school. And, and it was at that point I first learned about this, this, this God named Jesus. That was the first time I ever even heard, really heard his name or can remember hearing his That's name. Right. And, and my mom would start reading these bedtime stories to us about this this man named Jesus who would um, give sight to the blind and heal the sick, he walked on water. He was like a superhero to me, you know? And of course, I, as a little kid, you start praying to him and, and, and we like, I had a statue in my room. And I remember always looking at that statue and go, can you just move? Can you just walk? Because <laughs> I just looked at him like this superhero. And as I got older, of course, I fell away from my faith like many do. It's this typical story of the prodigal son that just wanted to go out there and be rich and famous and I traveled the world for 14 years in search of what I thought I needed only to come home and find it but it was too late and um, you know and but it was like about it was really about rededicating my, my life to Christ and um, I became an ordained minister and, and started speaking at churches and um, I just feel like he's he's just really blessed me in so many ways it's given me this opportunity to share my story from tragedy to triumph, from, from defeat to victory all over the world and helped so many other people, especially young people, but seeing families come back together and, and seeing, you know, um, a, a couple that was going to get divorced that, that made it through because of my story and my own divorce and my own problems and things I went through. That's a joy I, I get to see every day. Um, and um, I, I really hope, I, I hope the Lord, I, I guess I just turned 60 a couple weeks ago, and uh, I, I hope he gives me, a, you know, another 60 years. <laughs> but whatever it is, it is, I'm ready. You've got eternity up there as well, haven't you? I, I, I sure hope so. There's good room ready for me. <laughs> when you, I, I, I read a book by Viktor Frankl um, called Man's Search for Meaning. And he was a, a Jew in the concentration camps. And he talks about the difference between the people that had meaning and people that didn't. And people that had meaning would find meaning in birdsong or a tree or um, just, just, you know, mowed lawn. And, and there were the people there that were just lost. They, they just lost their, their will to live. They lost their, their soul. And when I think about it, a lot of people talk about us needing to find our purpose. You say you traveled around the world searching for something. And I think that 
in, in Viktor Frankl's book, he, he talks about the fact that the biggest mistake we all will make is that we're looking outward of ourself for something rather than inward. So the solution to a lot of our problems actually rests within our heart and in our soul. However, we, we leave that because we, we think it's out there somewhere rather than, than within. And I think that when, when you get a better understanding of that, you know, and the age I'm at right now, I'm 50 years old, I'm obviously younger than you, but I was just 50 just last month. And you, you do start searching again, you do start thinking, I think, you know, and people will easily say it's a midlife crisis, which I'm sure it isn't. Um, my wife will definitely say it's a midlife crisis, which I'm sure it isn't, but it's like, what are you searching for? And I think a, a, a lot of people right now are starting to wonder about their future, what's it going to be like? And they're going to be focused in a, in a, with a fearful mindset of what's, what's coming. You know, we've got 45 million people made unemployed in the United States. We've got the furlough income the government is giving going to come to an end fairly soon. We can see that Americans are saving much more at the moment because they're worried. But um, people are living in fear rather than living with a, a positive mindset of, of what's possible and what can be. And I look at that and I think, well, 80% of those people that had those jobs didn't like that job anyway. They went there because they had to do the job because they needed to bring some money in and put some food on the table. But it wasn't their dream. It wasn't their passion. And it leans back into you saying life is so short. You need to treasure every moment and spend time with people you love. I think that's the same for work. You need to find something that you love and spend time doing something that you care about because to be motivated and inspired you've got to be doing something that matters to you, which now gives 45 million people, or at least 80%, let's say, a chance to go and do that. But because people are living in fear because of the pandemic, there's this, there's this real negativity out there. And on top of that, it's then further amplified by the press, social media, CNN, BBC, you name it, they're, they're, they're all doing their bit. How, how can we get ourselves in the right state? How can we get ourselves in the right place so that we can try and be optimistic and positive about our oncoming weeks, months, years? You know, I, I always say that fear builds mountains and faith removes them. You know, the, the Native Americans had, a, had a, an old saying that said that we have two wolves that live inside of us. There's a positive wolf and a negative wolf. And the one that you feed the most becomes the strongest. And the problem that we're seeing today is so many people are feeling a negative wolf, that negative side of, of what they consider their reality. And, and, and it really just, it just drags you down. I mean, when you watch the news, it's, it's really 99% negative. It, it, they, and that's what seems to sell. And then people just find themselves in front of the, the television all day watching the horrible things that are happening in the world. And then how do you, how do you stay positive when you're constantly around negativity? And our minds are so powerful. And this is what I've learned through my life. Our mind is so powerful. You know, it's, it's what you feed. I, I, I want to be positive. I want to think things are going to be okay. We're going to get through this. We got through some tough things. And when you go back into World War I, World War II, and you think some of what they went through, and, and, and their government was never giving them $600 extra a week or, or, or these, these uh, pay-per-view pay, pay loans and all these things that... Um, people are, are, are benefiting from, you know, we, we are so blessed that we have 
people that are still helping us. There's not a lot of people in America that are going hungry. I mean, obviously we have our own situations and problems, but the majority of people are, are doing okay going through this, but they tend to see, we tend to think the worst case scenario. And when you tend to think worst case scenario, you live in that scenario. Like, oh my God, I'm gonna lose my house. I'm, I lost my job. I'm not gonna be able to eat. I'm not gonna be able to feed my kids. And we go to that worst place scenario and you live in that place. Instead of saying, you know what? It's gonna turn around. I know this is gonna turn around. And it's amazing how soon the phone rings. Uh, someone comes over and gives you good news or something happens. You know, it's happened to me in my life so many times. So we're gonna get through this. This too shall pass. Yeah, it's, um, it's obvious that we'll get through it because we always do. The world's not gonna collapse and close in on itself. Do you think we should continue with the, the action that we had as, as, as the United States and Europe? Do you think we should continue with the mask? Do you think we should continue to, to, to worry about it? Or, or would it be easier if you think if everyone just got it? You know, Spencer, I, I, I gotta tell you, without getting too political, because all that does is bring division. You know, we have one side that believes one way, one side believes another way. It just becomes a constant fight. You know, the other day I, I posted a picture. I, I traveled to a lot of schools and part of our funding is from drug forfeiture money where police departments give us money to be able to go to all these schools. And I have met some of the most incredible police officers, men and women that would take a bullet for you, that would run into a burning house and save your family's life. And I wore a mask um, because I was going into a, a, a restaurant and um, it was a mask with a blue line on it, you know, representing the, the, blue, the blue lives. And I was so surprised on people that have supported me for years that, that I feel really liked me a lot or loved me made comments about how they would never support me now because of my relationship with a police, with police, with the police department. I thought, how sad is that? There are bad people in every occupation, you know? There's, and it just breaks my heart that we painted a brush, all, every police officer is a bad person that's trying to kill other people. When there are some of the most, they are some of the most incredible people I have ever met in my entire life. And I love them and it breaks my heart to see what they're going through because they're being spit on and ridiculed and, 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 and even killed some of them. I mean, it's what's crazy what's happening right now. And so that, that really struck a nerve with me that I thought, wow, I, I, I really started to stay away from the political side on my, on my pages because also does this, there's just line after line of people fighting with each other. Who wants to read that? I don't like to read all the negativity on my, on my page. I try to really bring a positive and a, and a positive um, outlook on things, especially with young people that, you know, we, we think as adults, our, our minds are a little stronger and we, we feel like we're, we're stronger to get through something where a young person, you know, this, you know, you talk about 12, 13, 14 years old, they don't, they, they, they feel like the world's going to end, you know, but this really, really struck a nerve with me. And I just want to say that, um, you know, I, I support our, our men and women in blue. I love them. And I know there are some bad people in that in, in the police department that we need to we need to screen better we need to train better and we need to get those people out and and and, and i hope that in some way we could start having or seeing some major changes let's talk about kids for a minute here because i want to i want to just cover a couple of points there's when i was 18 years old i could run through walls 
I was invincible. I could do anything. Nothing could stop me. I could achieve anything I wanted to when I was 18 years old. I had the, the energy, the power, the focus, the, 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 I hadn't had the disappointments, which affect so many people's minds as they grow older. And so the thought that you could achieve anything you set your mind to was something in my mind at 18 years old that was quite possible. But you see people as they get older, with the more disappointments they get, the more they talk themselves into the reasons why they can't do something and they can't achieve something. Getting these young minds from the age of 13, 14, up to 18, through that kind of like five-year puberty come adolescent period, getting those, mind, those minds trained and organized and structured and aligned to go out and have that mindset of you can achieve anything you set your mind to. I think partially comes from people like you going in to t give this kind of message and this type of story. But I wish that schools would do more. I wish that schools would focus more on teaching kids this kind of stuff. You know, they, they of course they need to know about history and geography and stuff like that, but they don't know, they don't learn about entrepreneurialism. Um, they don't know, know about how to manage money and get money working for you, manage credit cards and that kind of stuff in, in as much detail as they could. But I think if, if schools paid more attention to that, then I think that you'd have a bigger percentage of juveniles turning in to superstar thinkers, whether they end up being superstars, another, another discussion, but superstar thinkers at least. What do you think about that? You know, Spencer, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I think about the things that I learned in school, even and we're going way back, okay? And I think about like, how often have I ever needed algebra? I mean, I spent so many years in math that, you know, basic math, you, you, you use, you utilize that. But I mean, some of the things that we took through trigonometry and, and algebra, unless you're going to be an architect or something like that, that's a different, whole different story. But so many things that we learned that, that and, and especially today's kids, I cannot tell you how many times that we had sponsorships to go to school, though, to fly into the town and do all the schools in the area. And the superintendent or the principals would say, oh, we, we don't have time for that. And I think, I thought to myself, you don't have time not to do this. We have got to inspire our kids. There is so much negativity in this world right now. I, and you know, it's, it's really strange. Most of the schools I, I speak at, and, and this, please understand, this is not being braggadocious. It's just that I often get a standing ovation from a high school group, you know, an auditorium or a gymnasium. I mean, they really feel the, 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 the energy that comes with these, these, these events that they say to themselves, like you said, when you're 18, I can do anything, man. Because as adults, we become complacent in life. One day becomes the next, and we just live with the status quo. Where I, I don't, I don't want to live like that. I don't care how old I get. I, I like I said, I'm not going to retire. I'm just going to retire. I'll keep finding ways of reinventing myself, doing things that I, I enjoy doing in my life. I love helping other people. There's no greater joy than helping another person, and that's what I found. I mean. The greatest commandments are you know God. There's something interesting about that. There's, I, I say there's no greater joy in helping other people. However, there's no greater joy because I see it as a very selfish act. I, by helping, I get all of the joy. Now I know the person on the receiving end gets joy, but I'm actually get I'm actually winning myself. Because the more I do for others, the better I feel as a human being. So that's actually a very selfish thing. 
in a funny kind of way. And people don't always see it like that. But I'm like, I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. So, I couldn't agree with you more, man. The more you give, the more you get back in your own life. And I got to tell you, uh, Spencer, being on that stage every day, man, it's like therapy for me. <laughs> I don't have to go to a shrink. I mean, I just get on that stage and share from my heart. And I, I really feel so good about making a difference in someone else's life. If it, is it selfish? I'll take it. I'll take it every day. There, as long as I can live and breathe, I will take that selfish um, attitude of going to a school and making a difference in someone else's life. Um, it's like it's like you it, uh, and I. You do it for free because the payment the payment you get in in positive endorphins and the payment you get in internal joy is worth more than any dollar bill could ever give you. Absolutely, and I'm. I you know like like I said, I I don't know how many more years I'm going to be able to do this. I don't, we, we don't even know what tomorrow brings. There's no promises of tomorrow, you know? But because I've, I've lost so much, including friends in the wrestling industry that died of, of drug overdose or died much too young, or my own family members, you know, my mom was only 58 years old. I think about it, I'm two years older than my mom was when she passed on. My little brother and sister, they both died at 21. Uh, my dad died while I was holding them in my arms. I, I've seen so much death in my life and I, and I think, because of because of understanding how how our, our the the Bible says our life is a mere vapor, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It's so short. I mean, it, you know, fifty years old flew by. I think about sixty. You know, um, 20, 20 years ago, I was in the wrestling ring. It seemed like it was yesterday, and I still talk to my friends in the industry, and it seems like we can talk about matches we had or something. And 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 I think about the next twenty years, how fast that's going to go. And I'm in, I'm in my 80s if, if I live that long, you know? So I want to enjoy every moment. Every moment means something now, where before you just, you're always thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow or, or next week or next year, where I want to live in the moment. I want to enjoy this time. This time I'm with you, Spencer, right now, I'm enjoying it. How, how, how can people take advantage? It's called Champion of Choices, yeah? Yeah, our, our program is called Champion of Choices. I know you go to schools, I know you speak, okay, but there's people on the other side of the world that are going to be watching this and listening to this going, I want a piece of that. I want, a, I want some of that. So is there a way that people can engage with you and, 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 and virtually, obviously, nowadays, is that being done around the world for you? Or is there a way that, you know, there's many schools here that I work with and, you know, I'm sure that lots of them would love to benefit from, from your teachings and, and your Champion of Choices School. Oh, I would love to come out your way if there was ever that opportunity. But I mean, we always send people to our, our, our website, our, our YouTube page has many videos on there that, that schools can review and see and see the reaction of students that's, that lives have been changed or saved because of the program. So, you know, um, the best thing, I, I don't know if you want me to give out my, my information or if you're gonna post it later. No, I'll post it uh, later, don't worry. Okay, yeah, then good. Uh, because I would love to, I, I love to travel. So that's that's part of the uh, the amazing dynamic of the Champion Choices program. As we've gone to we almost had, every, every we state, had, uh, we had uh, Michael Francis, ex mafia boss, on the show recently, and he's a motivational speaker now. He found his relationship with God, and we're going to bring him out to Dubai to speak at some schools out here in Dubai once the lockdown is over. And if that's something that you would be interested in doing, we would very much like to hook you up um, with some of the, the educational authorities over here so that you can 
you can um, have the opportunity when you can fly, okay, to come over here and sprinkle your magic dust. It's clearly <laughs> because of the impact it has I've, on I've you. I've never heard that one before, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, if I'm, get, if I'm getting what I'm getting over a Zoom call right now, then for sure, in person, you've got some of it. You've, you've, got, you've got something going on, and uh, we're going to all feel it when you get here. Have you ever been to this part of the world? <laughs> have you ever been to this part of the world? I never have. No, you know when we, when we obviously when we wrestle with WWE and WCW, we traveled all over, um, all over Europe, but we never, never been to. Um, um, you're in Saudi Arabia, correct? Or no, I'm in the United you? Arab Emirates. I'm in a place called Dubai. Um, Dubai Saudi Arabia borders us, so we we have never, a never been there, and it would be a dream come true if that if that happens. And let's uh, let's claim it. Let's say it's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> don't say it because I can make that happen. So <laughs> I'll hold it. I would, love that, I would love that. It would be it would be a dream come true. I mean, I, I who would ever think that I would speak at schools in Russia? That was an incredible experience. You know, obviously we used an interpreter, but it was the same reaction we had in the United States. The kids were hugging each other and crying and high five. They all wanted to to uh, meet or take a picture after. It was really cool. That's, that, that's just absolutely brilliant. It genuinely is brilliant that you're out there and you're in different parts of the world and you're having that impact. And clearly your message needs to be shared even more to, to inspire and to motivate and to really hit home with some people that, you know what, you're not on your own and life isn't going to be as tough as you think it is. Be patient, give love and have faith. Amen. Mark, I just can't thank you enough for coming and spending some time on the show. I for sure, and for all of the people that are watching, listening, okay, engaging with this right now, my audience, you know, okay, if you are in the Middle East at all and you have a school, okay, a university, um, whatever it may be, if you're part of the GEMS organization, guys, actually, you need to still know this, um, people that are part of GEMS, okay, get in touch with me so that we can get Mark to come to your schools. GEMS is the biggest educational organization here in this part of the world. Um, they've got, I think, about 50 schools. Um, this is one organization. So potentially there's stuff that can be done there. But Mark, I can't say thank you more than I'm saying thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure it's lovely over in Orlando why it's uh, 110 degrees here and 86% humidity. And so we're all struggling a bit. If, um, if people want to get in touch with you, if people want to reach out to you, okay, can they follow you on Instagram? Can they, can they, where, where can they go? Oh, please go to Instagram or Twitter. Just my name is Mark, M-A-R-C-M-E-R-O. You just type that in, it'll go right to it. And I would love to hear from, from your, your, your listeners. And um, I, I look forward to coming out there. And, and, I, and I, I just want to close by saying something about everything that we are going through. And I'll, I'll end it there. Those guys, I know that many of us are going through some hard times and some worse than others and some struggling to survive. And my heart goes out to you, but you've got to believe it. It's going to get better. We're going to get through this. Do you realize that the best chapters of your life are about to be written? But you have to understand something. You are the author and every day you can write a new page and those new pages, they become your new chapters. And just because some of you guys have had some bad chapters, just like me, it doesn't mean it's the end of the story. Don't ever, ever give up. Thank you. Fantastic. Fantastic.
There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the awesome, awesome, awesome Mark Miro. Hey guys, what about that? Okay, and you get guys like this on the show that have got so much love to give and so much passion to share. Okay, you know that they're gonna have an impact on you. So make sure when you watch this content, you share it with other people that you believe can get something from this. Because remember, okay, it's not just about you, it's about people that are around you and the people that you can have an impact with. There we go, another episode of the Spencer Lodge podcast. I can't say thank you enough for listening to the show. Do me a favor, if you're enjoying listening to it and you're on iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify, go leave a five-star rating. If not, go and leave a recommendation. I'll see you soon.